This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 737 with Jen Cassetta. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 737. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Based in Los Angeles, Jennifer Cassetta is a nationally recognized speaker, empowerment coach, and self-defense expert. She has worked with tens of thousands of professional women around the country to help them unleash their inner badass. Equipped with her third-degree black belt in Hapkido, master's degree in nutrition, and health coaching certification, she develops programming that helps women feel strong, safe, and powerful from the streets to the boardroom. With clients that include American Airlines, British Airways, Del Monte, Nike, Uber, and UBS, Jennifer has rocked hundreds of stages across the country with her superpower combination of engaging content and contagious enthusiasm, which you will hear in our conversation today. And her new book, The Art of Badassery, Unleash Your Mojo Within the Wisdom of the Dojo, can be found on bookshelves everywhere now. So this was a super fun conversation. We actually were introduced, Jen and I were introduced via Andrea Owen. So shout out Andrea. Thank you so much. And we had the most instant chemistry and synergy. So get ready to laugh right along with us as we keep like completing each other's sentences and having each other's next thoughts. It was pretty amazing and hilarious at times. So get ready to laugh with us and take some fantastic notes. Listen in to hear Jen share the art of badassery, how to unleash your mojo, the power of creating your greatest shits list, 
her profound life experience of being just a few blocks from the Twin Towers during 9-11, how our greatest shits create our greatest weapons, the importance of embracing the suck and three strategies for bouncing back from the suck, three steps to find your roar, and why claiming and reclaiming your power is critical life work. Oh, so much magic, fire, and power in this conversation. I know you're going to love it. I know you're going to want to take some notes on this one. So please join me in welcoming Jen Cassetta to the Shameless Mom Academy. Jen, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Can't wait. So we have to give a little shout out to Andrea Owen, who reached out to me and said, do you know who Jen Cassetta is? She would be a great guest for your show. And then of course I had to stalk you and I was like, yes, she would. Let's do that. So... Thank you, Thank Andrea. You, Andrea. Yeah. <laughs> and as I was doing my internet stocking, I was really excited. You have a book out that's been out for a little while now that I think is going to be relevant to our listeners in many ways. So I'm going to let you talk about that. But what I'm really excited about is the content of the book is just so aligned with the things that we talk about in on the show. And as I was reading through your team was so kind to send over some different content areas and literally everyone. I was like, Oh yeah. Embrace the suck. We got to talk about that. Find your roar. Got to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. I was like, these are the exact topics that I want. So good. I know this is going to be really, really good. Wonderful. So tell us a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. What I'm most excited about right now is really getting this book out into the world. If anyone out there is thinking of writing a book, has written a book, you know what it could be like. It's a long journey. So when it finally comes into the world, kind of like your babies, it feels like you're putting this baby out into the world and I'm just really excited. And the feedback so far has been great. Women that I don't even know reading it and sending me feedback like, Hey, this one woman sent a message just the other day that said, I've been in therapy for a year now, just related to stress, ongoing stress, nothing like major. She specifically said that. And this book has gotten me in a really great place to start tapping Mm -hmm. into that power. So I just thought, oh my God, if I can get this into more hands, the better we all are for it. It's so interesting when we think about, I've been thinking about and talking about writing a book forever and the process of sitting and writing a book in solitude. And then, and I know that it's a long process. Like you write the book in solitude and then like the book actually comes out many months, if not a couple years, years later. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you go through all that, that huge delayed gratification. Right. And then you're like, this is so good. And I want it to change lives. And you're like then sitting there waiting for like the people to pick it up and read it to change (laughs) lives. So I'm I'm curious, can you just tell us a little bit about the solitude piece, like the sitting there and being like, I'm putting everything on the page for my readers. And in your case for women, and then waiting to get their responses. Yes. So I started, luckily I committed to writing a book in January of 2020. So solitude Mm. came naturally in March. (laughs) (laughs) Such a gift. (laughs) It was such a gift, right? So I actually really had the time and the the solitude to do that, to write. So it took two years, essentially, of writing the entire book. In the middle of that, somewhere you start looking for an agent, if you want to go the publishing route, the agent, then shopping to publishers, And then by the time it actually gets picked up and published, for me, it took two years and nine months from when I started writing. So that is a long time. (laughs) Yeah. And 
did you have any, like, I hope this holds up. Like, I hope these things oh. are still true three years later. This of is my course. fear. Like I'll write something and then it like, won't be true three years later. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I definitely went through one example is, you know, I had this silly, there's an exercise in chapter one called create your greatest shits list and love the name. Yeah. And it's just about going back into your past and just picking out those moments in time, you know, the seasons of suck, if you will, of times where we've been challenged to our core, the times where it's hard to get out of bed in the morning or think like, how am I going to get myself out of this mess? And, you know, you could go as far back as you want. So from your childhood. And I had like some little silly stuff on there in my childhood that was like, you know, my friends in third grade called me beaky because my nose was big, you know, and stuff like that. And then as I got to the editing phase, all of a sudden there's a war in Ukraine happening and children are being like massacred and this and that. And I just was like, oh God. And I just started to like edit out these silly things that happened in my childhood because I just felt it's just not relevant. And especially in the time that it was happening. So there are little things like that. But at the end of the day, if you write your truth and you put it on paper, I mean, it's always going to be your truth, right? Yeah. The interesting thing about this season that we're in, and I talked to my mom about this at the beginning of the pandemic. I said, I was like, mom, I feel like, and so my mom just turned 84 yesterday. And Uh I said, mom, I feel like if you're alive for like a certain amount of time, eventually you're going to have, you're going to live, you're going to endure something like this, like the pandemic or whatever. And And she was like, no, (laughs) she's like, no, like, this is very exceptional right now. (laughs) She's like, no, like most people don't endure this in a lifetime. Right. And so I think that we are in this like wildly exceptional time Mm. and being a creator during this time is a really interesting thing. Yes, for sure. And I mean, I would say, I mean, I lived through, and again, it's in the book, September 11th, being in New York in that time, almost dying on that day. That was a huge thing for a lot of people. Obviously, wherever you live in the country, things were different. But I just told, I speak at some colleges to mostly sorority women. So last week I was at SDSU and I told the girls there that this pandemic that they just lived through, which totally sucked for them and all college students Mm -hmm. who missed out on graduations, who missed out on friends, who had a homeschool, right? And learn on Zoom. They were listing all the things that sucked. And then I was like, I hate to be a downer, but this is probably not going to be the worst thing that happens to you in your lifetime, right? And you should have seen their faces like, what? (laughs) But we lifted them out of that. Thanks for the optimism and positivity. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's true. And that is what Embrace the Suck chapter one is all about. It's like, yeah, things that suck are bound to happen, right? And the pandemic- Well, it sucked for various degrees for a lot of people. So people who lost people, who lost jobs, right, had a very different experience than someone that just was staying home for a couple of years with their kids or, you know, totally had it a little easier. So yeah, we have to keep all those things in our perspective. Right. All the perspectives. Absolutely. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is 
around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. So I want to dig into chapter one a little bit, embrace the suck, because this is something that I feel like we've all had the opportunity to do so much recently (laughs) in recent years. But I know, like you said, you had this experience in 2001 that was this really defining moment or time season for you. So can you Mm -hmm. share the suck that you had to embrace in 2001 and how that really informed you and your work? Absolutely. So 22 years ago, I stepped into a dojo. I mean, this is kind of the whole origin story, but a dojo, a martial arts studio for the first time and fell like madly in love with this martial arts practice called Hapkido. I loved how it felt in my body. I was feeling strong. I was feeling kind of on purpose. It was just awesome. And within that year, you know, I show up to work on September 11th, three blocks south of the World Trade Center. The towers had already been hit. And I walk into the lobby of the building to 
call my mother on the phone because I didn't know what else to do. And the first tower fell. The f- a swarm of people came rushing into the lobby, right? And I could have just been on the street, one of them. And I got pushed into a utility closet with a bunch of strangers. So for the first time in my life, I was really thought like, this is it. I'm about to die. My body froze. I couldn't move until this woman came over to me, asked me my name. I said, Jennifer, she said, Jennifer, I'm Nancy. The two of us were going to get out of here today. And sure enough, we did. Luckily for my guardian angel, she kind of moved me through that freeze response, that trauma response that I was in. And we ran from building to building for hours until later I had the idea to take Nancy to the dojo. So to make a long story short, that became this kind of metaphor for my life back then. I was out of a job. I was bartending to pay the bills. All I wanted to do in the daytime was go to that dojo, sink my feet into the mat, connect mind and body and spirit and do this cool work with my body where I was learning these life-saving skills and feeling really on purpose. So it led to not necessarily intentionally at the time, like I'm going to make a career of this, but it led to a career of helping people feel more strong and safe and powerful from the streets to the boardroom. Because from then it went on, not just to martial arts, but how can I make a living, personal training, health coaching, nutritionist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then the last, so that was like a decade long. And then the last 13 years moving out to LA and doing it on a larger scale by public speaking. Oh my goodness. I think what's so incredibly powerful and important and such a important reminder is that when we have those experiences and it's easy in those experiences, not easy, but we often slip into like, either like I was lucky or I was unlucky. And I mean, your situation is such a great example. Like you could be like, I was unlucky. I was so unlucky. Like I happened to be in there in that building in that circumstance that day. Of course you're taking this opposite stance where you're like, I was so lucky, like so lucky you survived it. And that Mm -hmm. wasn't everyone's case. So that the opportunity to see like both sides of those coins, I think. And then also the opportunity to see the things that define our lives. And I think that we often don't know that we're in those moments until we're a little bit past them. Yes. But I think that it takes looking back and I love your idea. And can you repeat the name of the shit list? (laughs) Your greatest shit list. Your greatest shit list. What I think happens when we look at those moments is we're like, oh, that's the moment that I like found my tenacity, my strength, my power, my whatever that I use all the time today. Like that's the thing that needed to happen. That's the next exercise. So after your greatest (laughs) list, you literally find your great, your secret weapons, right? I call them that, but essentially they could be your superpowers or whatever, just like you said, empathy, resilience, tenacity, leadership skills. I mean, all kinds of things that we develop because of the suck, not in spite of it. And that's really, those are the golden nuggets. That's the lessons. Do we have to be grateful for the things that have happened to us? Not necessarily, but we can appreciate how they've helped us grow. Right. I had this experience of a friend going through a really, really traumatic loss a number of years ago now. And prior to that, I was kind of like, everything happens for a reason. And like, there's always a great lesson and there's always something to be learned and like very like silver linings. And now I can identify it as like total bypassing behavior, like spiritual (laughs) bypassing. But And in my mind, I was like, this is like how you can like keep a healthy attitude and whatever. And now I totally appreciate that. Like, we don't have to be grateful. Mm -hmm. but that we can still identify, like, how can I learn something with this so that I can kind of choose what the meaning of it is going to be versus it being the thing that like destroys me forever kind of a thing. 
And I think that's so important. Yeah. And I do share a couple of things in the book that I don't regularly talk about, but because this is the shameless mom podcast, I'll mention it here. You know, I lost my dad who was like my greatest cheerleader in 2016. And he was like the epitome of health, like every healthy habit he did. When someone like that dies of like this random cancer diagnosis that almost felt like it was out of the blue, it feels like traumatic, like a train wreck just happened. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I obviously had to get through that. And the secret weapon that I think I developed from that was empathy. Before that, I don't think I had that type of empathy for people that were going through loss. And now I do. And Mm -hmm. then go the step further, you know, I got married six months later and then got pregnant three times essentially. And without going into Mm -hmm. all the details, two were miscarriages and one was a traumatic story. Like Mm -hmm. so traumatic, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Not that I have one, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I do share in the book that, you know, if I hadn't been down that road of loss before that Mm -hmm. could have broken me, like it was horrible, but each of those losses, I was like, well, I've been down this road of grief and it didn't kill me. I'm still alive. Mm -hmm. Right. And I just moved through each one, like with that, okay, here we go again, instead of, oh my God, how am I going to survive this? Yeah. I think that's so true. And thank you for sharing those really vulnerable experiences. I think, first of all, they're very relatable to listeners of the show and having gone through a lot of infertility stuff, I have, I can't relate specifically to your experience, but I can relate to the experience of navigating like this uncertainty and loss around it. And there's just so much that comes with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that you have to dig really deep to get through those seasons, whether it's the loss of a parent, the loss of pregnancy and Mm -hmm. greater. And without those tools, without those secret weapons and being able to like identify Like I've been here before and here's, and I always, I call it collecting evidence where like, you have to collect the evidence. Like, okay, I've been in this place. Here's what I did before. Here's how I got out of it. Here's how I know. I mean, sometimes it's like, here's how I know I can make it to the next minute. Not necessarily like get over the thing, but just here's how I know I can make it to the next minute Mm -hmm. or the next hour, or like just get through this day that sucks more than anything else. And, (laughs) and I think those skills can be really significant. Yes, Absolutely. Can you talk about, I know you have three strategies for bouncing back from the suck. Can you talk about your three strategies? Absolutely. So that's now chapter two. So after you've embraced the suck, you're accepting the fact that Mm. terrible things are going to (laughs) happen. And I really, I laugh at myself because I'm like, I hope I don't sound like a Debbie Downer because I promise you the rest (laughs) gets more positive. Um, I mean, it starts with 9-11 and then a whole bunch of laws and you're like, no, but it's really great. (laughs) But I promise you it gets better. Right, right. (laughs) All right. So the strategies I learned on the mat that help us either avoid the takedown altogether or get back up after a fall are one, the pivot. And again, we have talked about pivoting at nauseum at this point. So I'm not going to dig into that one. We know how to pivot. When something's not working, you need to change <laughs> For better or worse. <laughs> right. But the other two are a little more interesting. Um, the second is when life kind of throws you not just one punch, but one after mm-hmm. another, after another, right. kind of feel like a, a punching bag. So in martial arts on the mat, we learn to kind of Im- brace for the impact, tuck ourselves into a tiny mm-hmm. ball, roll backwards and use the momentum to get us right back on our feet. When the hits keep on coming, we literally learn how to yeah. fall and get back up, fall and get back up. So each time it becomes 
greater, you know, with greater ease and velocity, essentially. Mm-hmm. So in life, that kind of translates to, or the steps to do that are one, find your people. And I mean, find it specifically the people that have been through the challenge that you're, you're going through. So yeah. like you said, if it's an, if you're going through an infertility challenge, I want you to find a group of people that have been through infertility. If you are going through divorce, I want you to find people that have successfully moved through divorce, right? Not stuck mm-hmm. in the suck that are on the other side of it and recreating their life. And, you know, these can be private groups on Facebook. They can be friends of yours. And then the second step is obviously you have to share your story because if you don't, then how are you going to find the people? And also after you've kind of moved through it, sharing your story will then help other people. Um, And my quick example that I've just lived through another suck, but it's good um, was around that same time that I lost my dad. I was also told that I'll need a hip replacement. And again, like at the age, it it didn't compute. Um, But anyway, I found a group of people that on Facebook, a a private Facebook group called young people, total hip replacements. So I was like, Oh my God, these are my people. They call themselves hipsters. They share their stories. I love it. They ask questions. Everyone's sharing, sharing, sharing. So I'm just like a fly on the wall for the last few years, listening and gathering information until three months ago, it was my turn. And I finally got my hip replacement. Mm -hmm. I was in the group actively asking questions and, and now I'm here for others. People are already referring their friends to me because I've been sharing my story about how it went and all of that, all of that stuff. So now I'm here to kind of pass that on. So that's how we, how we bounce back sometimes. I love that. I love the example. And I've done, (laughs) I did just a little bit of sports jujitsu when I was like 23 three or something. Cool. And it was hilarious because mm-hmm. I had not previously done martial arts except for Billy Bo, Blank. Billy Blanks, Tybo. Billy Blanks, Tybo. Yes. I'm like, there's a bow in there. So, so I'd good. done a lot of Tybo videos mm-hmm. in the privacy of my own home by myself. <laughs> and then I signed up for the sports jitsu class and there was, it was all men and one other woman who wouldn't talk to me. Mm-hmm. I think she was just like a super introvert and she'd been there forever. So she was like, I'm good. Like, I don't need to make friends with the new girl. And (laughs) it was so uncomfortable in there, but I know exactly what you're talking about. But like the fall down, you roll back so that you can then use that momentum, that inertia to like spring back up. And that is such a great metaphor for exactly what we have to do. And I've professionally had the experience this year. And I think so many people professionally have had this during the course of the pandemic of having either like repeated rejection or a huge professional blow, or like, I call it the black hole of no, where like, (laughs) you just are putting so much out there and everyone's like, no, we don't really need you right now. We're good. Nope. 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 And then they might even be like, we think you're amazing, but not right now. (laughs) We don't need you right now. We'll file that away for later. And you're like, oh my God. (laughs) And I've had this moment of like the falling down, rolling back, getting back up and being like, it's okay. I can go to the next thing. And then I've also had the moment of like, getting punched down and then not rolling back and just like laying there and Mm -hmm. to go from lane to standing without that inertia of like rolling back in order to get the momentum and the inertia to roll forward is 1 million times harder. That's (laughs) the third strategy. (laughs) You're like, I know. How are you doing this? 
Okay. Tell me, tell me, I just was setting you up. Go for it. Yeah, totally. But without reading it. So I'm, I'm like, my mind is blown. So <laughs> this the is third... how Andrea knew we would be a good fit. <laughs> yeah. The third strategy is when life knocks you out for the count, the only option is to make an ultimate comeback, right? Think of like Rocky Balboa or, or Madonna, how they recreate themselves over and over and over again. And that is what we do as entrepreneurs, as businesswomen, I mean, I've, I've recreated myself, my services, my career mm-hmm. so many times when there's no option to pivot or roll, right? And right. that, and again, there are steps in that chapter of how to do it, how to, re, you know, think outside the box, think about how you want to actively be, live, do on the other side of this, this transformation, let's say, instead of a a knockout, let's call it a transformation. Cause that's essentially yeah. what you're doing unless you're just passively letting life kind of decide that for you, right? Taking on, I get to create what I want, how I want to make this ultimate comeback versus just like, mm. eh, okay, we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And I think that when we do that, if we've if we back up and we look and we like, look at the greatest shits list, and then we've embraced our greatest weapons as a result of that. When we look for that ultimate comeback, we can see the evidence that like, oh, I can come back. So I've come back before. Right. And we can also, I think really identify what we're like, how the specific ways in which we are capable, worthy, qualified to make mm-hmm. the comeback and right. get up and do it. That doesn't mean it's easy right. or fun, but right. we can qualify ourselves in those ways because we've been there before we've done it before. Yes. Um, and that sometimes that's the pep talk is like, mm-hmm. here's all the ways that you're qualified and all the things that you've done. And sometimes it's like having your friends remind you, like, here's your bio, <laughs> here's yeah. the things here's the things that you've accomplished on your, let me read you your resume. <laughs> Look, I almost don't want to say it because people aren't going to believe me, but that's also in chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> this is a setup. So, and now I feel like I'm giving the whole book away, but it really is an exercise back to chapter one of embrace, uh, creating your greatest hits list. So the shits list oh, and the hits list, love it. The hits love list it. is the evidence. It's yes. your epic, you know, epic achievements and all of the things yeah. that yeah. make you so badass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love this. People have to read the book now because I feel like now that we're twins, we, <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to, before, cause we're going to move into, we're going to talk about finding your roar, which mm. I will try not to steal your thunder. With finding your roar. <laughs> but, um, but I already know it's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, or I don't even know if it's a curiosity. I enjoy and really appreciate um, these examples coming from your, from physical accomplishment for you. So moving up through the ranks in terms of like in belt ranking and, and yeah. that system, I'm unfamiliar. I did not last a long time in sports jiu-jitsu. <laughs> so I can't talk about, I can't talk the lingo, but yeah moving up through that belt, through belt rankings, et cetera. Um, and being able to take those analogies from the mat into, into life, I think is really incredible. And I relate to that and maybe why I can identify so many of these things that you're talking about, um, and keep jumping ahead in your story is because I went through this as a, I was a personal trainer and had my own gym, but that, that I didn't have my own gym, but that's how I started my career. Um, Yeah. And 
what inspired me to do that was that I had become fit as a young adult, not having played any sports growing up. Mm-hmm. And it helped me see so many things about myself that I never knew existed, as well as I was able to take the things I learned from becoming fit and do and physical accomplishment that I never thought was possible, like doing a first half marathon and triathlons and things like that. And I was able to see like, oh, this actually, I can apply to other things in my life. And that value was so incredible and life altering. And so I can see where you can take your experiences from the mat and do the exact same thing. And I think that we can do that with so many things. We can look at kind of how we came up and be like, oh, wait, going through these things, the things I never thought I could do, whether chosen or not. So in a lot of my cases, and a lot of the things for me with athleticism, um, it was things that I chose to do that I never thought I could do that mm. were really scary. And I never wanted to do it first. And then I was like, okay, maybe I'll try. And then yeah. it like changed the trajectory of everything. And so mm. I think that's where we get those really great lessons. And we can then take one thing and have a parallel course, whether it's like getting fit as a young adult for the first time in my life, or mm-hmm. I also learned to ski at the age of 42, which was like a whole thing. Awesome. Um, so doing those kinds of things and then being able to run those parallels to something completely unrelated, like building a new career path, what have you, I think becomes really significant. Absolutely. I love that. Yes. I mean, for me, it was the martial arts. Um, I just try to make it mm-hmm. relatable to anyone, right? After this reading this yeah. book, you do not need to go to a dojo um, and sign up for classes <laughs> to get the lessons of it, right? It's really just right. our our self-discovery path, our self-personal development, self-growth, all of those words, um, I feel like are a journey and this, the belt levels just kind of walk you through it. Totally. So in our community, we're always talking about using your voice, standing up and speaking out. Mm -hmm. And I was super excited to know that one of the chapters in your book is find your roar Mm -hmm. um, and that you teach women to find their roar. And this is something that I think is so incredibly and increasingly important. And when I look at, it's something I've always been interested in, like, how do we stand up? How do we speak out, especially in the last few years, recognizing. So in my position, like middle-class white woman of privilege, like how, what am I going to do with that? I, ha- I want to be conscientious about yeah. the power that I have and using it in a certain way. But what I think is becoming where it used to be like, just be a strong, powerful woman. Now it's feeling like there's a different sense of urgency and importance and significance around it because Mm -hmm. things are so tenuous in our, in our world, in the United States, so many things are on the line. So I think this finding your roar takes Mm -hmm. on a very different meaning because it's not like just a cute thing anymore. Not that it was ever a cute thing, but it's not, it's not like a luxury thing. Like Mm -hmm. maybe just practice using your voice. It's like, no, no, no. Like we really need you to find your voice. So can you talk about finding your roar? Absolutely. And, and I will say again, I don't want to give too much away, but black belt level, the last chapter is really about what you're talking about, where we need to take a stand for women in general, for other people in our communities who don't have the privilege that we have. So the green belt level about finding your roar is really, you know, how we communicate in both body language, the tone of voice we use, and then obviously the words, the words that we say outwardly, But more importantly, I spent a little more time in this chapter talking about our inner dialogue, because I think that is the greatest tool that we all have that could literally change our lives. I know it has for me, and I know it's a constant work in progress for me. It's, And I think for everyone, 
you know, I'm not yeah. sure even, I always want to like talk to like the Dalai Lama, like, do you still get negative thoughts in your head? Like, and I'm <laughs> do you almost have positive. any imposter syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm almost positive. He would say yes. You know, because I just yeah. don't think that ever goes away. I right. think it is this process of mastering it in the way of recognizing it, knowing that it's separate from us, keeping it separate from us and and or just kind of being able to recognize it, talk to it, and then put something more positive in its place. So later in the chapter, we get into affirmations and then even building a battle cry, things that to keep you going on your path. And of course, there are lots of examples of how to talk to others in a strong way when people are encroaching on your boundaries. Now that's actually an orange belt level of blocking the BS, which we didn't get to talk about, but that's really about setting boundaries in a powerful way. So using your voice in a powerful way when people are trying to kind of knock you down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. So you're talking about using your voice in a powerful way, but you also mentioned a minute ago, tone of voice. Mm -hmm. I think this part is important. And I talk with women a lot about this. I think that sometimes when we're speaking up, we have diminishing behavior. And mm -hmm. this is like, as someone who talks and preaches about this all the time, I still do it at times. So this right. isn't like a judgment. It's just a, an observation. But I think yeah. that sometimes when we're speaking up, we diminish our voice in different ways. And so it might start with like the way we start a sentence might be like, Oh, I'm sorry, but I just wanted to point out, or I just want to ask. And there's like an apology before we have a question, which is ridiculous to apologize for having a question. Yep. Or we even 
we're on camera right now. And you can see like, when I go to ask something and I feel uncomfortable, like I might hunch my shoulders up mm. and my voice might get like a little smaller or higher. Right. Can you talk about that tone of voice piece? Cause I think it's important the stuff that women do with their voices that we don't even recognize as diminishing that holds us back and definitely holds back our power. Yeah. I mean, the greatest example or the, I would say the, <clears throat> the thing that I hear the most is the uptalk. Uh, yeah. When we take that rising inflection in the middle and the end of a sentence, wow, it's, I thought it was going away for a while, but then I just like, I hear it all the time. And again, I, I don't say it, I'm trying not to say it with judgment, put it that way, because I want people to just recognize it. And if they choose it, then choose it. But I'd rather you choose, you know, intentionally speak the way you want to speak and just realize that the minute you open your mouth, you're being judged by others, right? And they're making unconscious assumptions about you. So when we use our tone in a way that signals that we're questioning, like that rising inflection, we are automatically being judged like, and assume that perhaps we're questioning ourselves. Perhaps we're questioning our message. Perhaps we're questioning even our ability to be in the room at the time or sitting at the table or asking these questions to begin with. So it's an apologetic way of speaking. And I want folks to recognize that they're doing it and then take one step further and think, why did I take on that? that style of speaking, if you will, where did it come from? Was it in another group of women that I grew up with? Is it, I don't know, I don't, you know, is it through society or social media and just recognize because the power is in choosing it. The power is in being intentional with your tone, with the way you speak, with the way you hold your body, your physiology, all of it. I want you to, instead of just mindlessly doing these things, because it's patterns that we learned even from when we're a kid, from the people that raised us, you know, or is it something that as an adult, now I am choosing this way of speaking and communicating. That's where the power lies. Yeah, absolutely. We have been conditioned to make other people comfortable. Mm -hmm. When I say we, I mean, women and moms are especially good at it. So when we are focused on making other people comfortable, I think that's where we do make all these little adjustments because like we won't, don't want to be too much or aggressive Mm -hmm. or make someone else feel defensive or whatever. And I find myself doing this when I'm (laughs) where it's come up for me in the last year is when I'm emailing people Uh who I think are really important. Mm -hmm. Um, and so as I've been doing more stuff around speaking and doing higher caliber stuff around speaking, Mm -hmm. I will go to write an email and I find myself inserting LOLs, exclamation (laughs) points and smiley faces. And Mm -hmm. then I'm like, hold on. Like, I don't know if a fortune 50 company (laughs) (laughs) person needs like an LOL, but I'm like, I just want them to be really comfortable and like, like me and think that I'm fun. (laughs) So I have to go back and like, take that shit out because delete, delete, delete. Yes. And I get so annoyed with myself that I put it in like trying to be like light mm-hmm. and fun talking mm-hmm. corporate. <laughs> yep. What am I doing um, even so the I word never... just, yes, yes. I'm yep. just following up on this email because you never got back to me. Right. Like those are a lot of my emails. I'm just circling back. Mm-hmm. And then I just go back and I delete the word just because again, it sounds apologetic. Like I'm apologizing yeah. for being in your inbox again. No, yeah. I'm not. Yep. I am following yep. up. I am. I also edit out. 
I added out my just as well because <laughs> we're twins. <laughs> but it's, it's, and it's funny, the difference between, and this is probably relevant to a lot of our listeners, the difference between, t- so I've gotten a lot better. I can type something out and then go back and be like, okay, pull out all that stuff. Mm. It's really different when you're speaking it. And then, and you can't like the self-editing mm. is like after the fact in your head where you're like, oh, crap, I did that thing again, the thing I'm trying to break. And we don't have that delete bar. Um, mm. And for me, that's been the harder place, the harder place to change my voice mm. um, is in, especially being an extrovert where I'm things come out faster and I'm yeah. externally processing versus an introvert who will like put together a very beautiful, perfect sentence before expressing it to the world. And I've already like completely botched it and thrown it out there. I'm with you. Yeah. Well, I just sometimes will just say it again, but with the yes. better, you know, with the more either positive or more affirming or however, you know, the better version of and, it, I'll just repeat. Right. And I think it's okay to externally process our editing sometimes and to mm-hmm. say, and I've started doing this here and there, I'll say, Oh, I'm really trying to not say that anymore. Yeah. Um, a good example of this is like saying you guys. And so mm-hmm. if I say that, which I self edit out easily in writing, um, yeah. it doesn't even come in my head anymore when I'm writing, but sometimes when I'm talking, it does come out and I'll quickly catch myself. And then I'll say, I shouldn't have said you guys, I should have said everyone or team or folks or whatever. I'm really yeah. working on that. And Mm -hmm. I think it's actually an appropriate thing for us to be modeling to like, especially Mm -hmm. amongst high achieving perfectionistic women to model that like, oh, I didn't mean to say that thing, or that's Mm -hmm. not how I wanted that to come out. And now I'm going to go fix that right now in front of you. Absolutely. It's about being accountable for your words a hundred percent. And I think that's important too. Absolutely. I was pumping my fist when I read about the tenets of black belt leadership. These are such defining ways to live and to lead. Can you share a bit? I don't know if you want to share all of the tenants or share some of them, but can you share just a bit about this, about the black Absolutely. belt? Absolutely. Um, and, and the metaphor kind of just starts off as, you know, when I was, when I first started in martial arts as a beginner, I would look at the black belts and just be in awe, especially of the women. There was a lot of fierce women in my dojo at the time. And I thought it was about, you know, all the takedowns, being able to take someone down twice your size and the sword forms and just all these beautiful physical stuff. But when I got closer to my black belt test, I realized that it's about so much more. In fact, black belt really is about leadership. Um, In the school that I was trained in, we had to volunteer at least a hundred hours of teaching before even being considered for a black belt candidate. Our teacher really doubled down on the fact that you know, becoming a black belt is really about being a mentor, a coach to help lift others up through the ranks as well. So um, those are the principles that kind of seeped out into other parts of my life. And one of those is being able to take a stance, right? The we, we drill these physical stances and I know it's a podcast, I can't show you, but like from horse stance to front stance, to back stance, and essentially you get yourself in these low positions in your legs where you're just steady and grounded and no one can knock you over. Um, and that, you know, metaphor is in life, right. As if we want to really grow our influence, um, for me, my influence and my business are related. So my business started to grow. My influence grew as I started to take a bigger stance or stand for, other people, causes that are greater than myself. For me in particular, that's women's safety and women's equality. Those are my stances that I will stay steady in the face of adversity. Um, and I lead people through in the chapter, like 
how to find your stance if you're not clear. I know there's something that's that's important to you. And it could be, you know, finding a cure for cancer because your life has been affected by that. It could be your kids being safe in schools or whatever it is, you know, you will find that by going through the, these exercises. I love the idea of taking a stance, but I also love the permission around like, well, let's figure out what your stance is. Cause I think that we are luckily, I think living in this age and moment in time where it's like, women need to speak up and say, it, and, and there's like now a pressure, especially for, for introverts who like the world is so like not supportive of introverts. And then when you're like, everyone needs to use their voice, like yeah. the introverts are like, Holy crap. <laughs> not yeah. only is this like, not who I innately am, but now I have to like find something to scream about. Right. Um, <laughs> so I think permission to not to find out, like, what is it you want to take a stance on mm-hmm. to let that be a limited number of things. It doesn't have to be everything. Like you right. don't have to back and follow every cause, which sometimes is hard for me to self-limit those things. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I do feel like I'm like, I need to take a stand on all the things and it can be a lot. And then permission to do it in a way that like taking a stance looks so different for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so you and me, we want to like be on a big stage with like Mm -hmm. a big microphone and taking up all the space. And that's not what it looks like for everyone. Do you have any thoughts or like feedback for introverts who are like, yeah, I don't ever want to be on a stage. You're so, I mean, this is crazy. Did you read the book? Is that in the book? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Like the next exercise is essentially figuring out how to do that for you. What feels right to you. So maybe, you know, a couple of examples, one example that's coming to me because I hate crowds. I hate being in these marches and stuff like that. I just from, oh my my God, I love a March. Okay. See, we're not twins. I love a March. Good, good, good. good. (laughs) So, so you're going to be out there marching, but maybe I'm making the signs for you to hold, right. That, that could be the thing, or I'm amplifying it on social media or whatever. I just, I don't like marches. (laughs) I love crowds. I love stages, but not a March. Um, Oh my gosh. But yeah, there are, there are tons of examples on ways you can get involved that, that, feel good for a range of folks. Um, and you'll find, you'll find your way. Yeah. Yeah. And you may already be doing it and not even, that's the thing. That's the thing. I also, I think it's important to acknowledge that, especially if, if your level of activism Mm -hmm. looks different than someone else's, sometimes I think it's easy to assume like, Oh, I'm not doing it right. Or I'm not doing it enough, or I'm not doing it at all. And that can be going back to the mind talk. It can go that can just be like this whole negative self talk of a uh, negative self-talk loop. And I think it's really critical that we recognize like, you no, know, what are you doing? Like you actually are doing things in a way that makes sense for you. Now, maybe you could challenge yourself or stretch yourself in other ways that could be really impactful. Um, mm-hmm. but don't discredit the things that you're already doing. Exactly. Um, my son at one point, and I'm trying to remember when it started, we had this season sometime since 2016, because there's been a lot of the seasons since 2016, mm-hmm. but we had this season where we went to like three or four marches for different things in a very close time window. And my mm-hmm. son, after the fourth one, he was like, something came up after the fourth one where I was like, Oh, well, we're going to go to this thing this weekend. And he was like, mom, can we not go to more marches? <laughs> And I was like, no, no, I'm like, it's not a March. I don't remember what it was. And he's like, I'm just so sick of making signs. 
this is like what this kid is going to remember from him, his like age, like seven to nine. He's going to be like, and then like every weekend we had to make signs and go to the store and get more foam core and like Mr. Sketch pens. (laughs) Yes. That's awesome. Oh my God. So yes, yes. Everyone can do it in a way that makes sense to them. It's okay. I was, I was like, okay, like he's now not going to be accompanying me. So we took a little break and then I took him to pride. I took him to um, our Seattle pride for gay pride in June. Oh my gosh. He had so much fun. It was so much fun. So I was like, oh yes. I'm like, merges are back on (laughs) back in it. So good. Oh my goodness, Jen, this has been so fun. I love all the ways that we're aligned and our work overlaps. I know this is going to be so meaningful to our listeners. So before I have you share where people can connect with you and everything, tell us how you're currently showing up shamelessly. Oh, you know, I feel like I'm just putting it all out there. Um, I am going full force on, on getting in front of as many folks as I can because I feel like this message is important. I, I just want to remind women. And and that's the thing I think in this book and most personal development books and, you know, speakers, we're really all on the same. Most of us are on the same page. There's nothing new out there that anyone's creating. We're just presenting it in a different way. And for me, it's really specifically about reminding women how powerful they are um, and how through the years we've either allowed that power to be diminished or it's been taken away from us or, you know, any rain, any, anything on that scale. Um, And I just want you to remember that there are tools where you get to take it back every single day, reclaim all of that power, every single drop, because the world needs your power now, (laughs) big time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Mm. Such a, that's a really, uh, a powerful, a powerful ending, which on powerful ending on reclaiming your power. Mm. <laughs> it's very redundant, but no, I think that's a really great place to wrap and a really great reminder, um, that process of reclamation. And mm-hmm. so I want to invite everyone who's looking for some reclamation with their voice. And so many of the women who come to listen to the show are in this place of redefining their identity and figuring out who am I becoming, which shifts mm-hmm. on a, for everyone <laughs> constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that we, in the, what we've endured in the last few years. And I think motherhood also lends itself to having to reshape your identity repeatedly. Um, and so I want to invite people listening to welcome that process of, of reclamation, and then also really specifically to do it in the way that you lay out so beautifully in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I'm a big fan of your methods because apparently I already, <laughs> Apparently. You wrote the book, actually. <laughs> I'm the ghostwriter. <laughs> um, so tell people, Jen, where people can find you, connect with you, get the book, of course. Where can people get The Art of Badassery? Unleash your mojo with the wisdom of the dojo. You can find it on Amazon. And if you don't like it there, you can find it in Barnes and Noble. And also just head into your local bookstore and ask for it. Usually they'll be able to order it for you. And then you can connect with me at Jen Cassetta, two N's, two S's, two T's on both Instagram and TikTok. I have uh, a series called A Move a Day to Keep the Creeps Away and also um, jennifercassetta.com. We didn't even get into like 
self-defense. I know. We Which I was thinking we were going to get into. So mm-hmm. come back anytime. I would, I would love, I to. always tell people, so you're a first time guest, but I always tell people the next time you write a book, if you write another book or have another thing, you have to come back. So write another book. I'll That'll ghost be write for you years. again. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can come back and talk about it, but this okay. has been fantastic. So I will list, link everything in the show notes. If people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Jen Cassetta. We'll have everything linked up there. You can pop right through and get the book, go to Jennifer's website, check her out on social media all right there. So, oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you, Jen, for being here. This was such a fun conversation, such an important conversation. I just really, really appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks everyone who listens. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.